Amen. Good morning, Cross Point. Good morning, kids. You can be released for Children's Church. And I just want to say, if you are new to Cross Point, and what I mean by that, if you've been coming maybe through the summer or you're simply looking in how to get connected, I do want to make you aware of this Get Connected card that you'll find on the back table. There's a very large QR code. All you have to do is point your camera to this, click on it, and then go to Meet Cross Point. This is something we're going to be hosting next week. So if you're looking like, how do I get connected? How do I take this next step? This is going to be a short gathering right after the service in the teacher's lounge. And this is a great opportunity for us to get to know you, you to get to know us as we take the next step together toward connection. And so I just wanted to make you aware of that. So last week, we started in our series through the book of Colossians, and we're going to be continuing in that study this morning. So hopefully you have one of these scripture journals. If you don't, if you want to raise your hand, we have uh, some people that can help grab some for you. This is our gift to you as we study through the book of Colossians together. And so we just want to make sure that we get this in everyone's hand. Now the background to this letter that we hold We talked about this some last week. It's a letter that's written by the Apostle Paul while he was under house arrest in Rome. He's writing to a group of believers that he's never met personally. He preached in a nearby town in in Ephesus, and someone there heard about that and then traveled back to his hometown of Colossae and was like, here's what I heard, and now a church was born. This is the same distance as if the Apostle Paul had preached in Jacksonville. Someone who lives in Orlando heard that and then brings the gospel back here. And now there's a church here in Orlando, but Paul's never met them. But he hears that they're struggling. He hears that that, that they're they're trying to endure some things in the culture, that, that there's this irreligious spirituality in the culture. There's this sense of everybody's spiritual, but there's no one way. It's whatever God pleases you. It's there's secret, special knowledge that you can learn. But whatever makes you happy, follow that. On the other side, you have this like religious legalism. So if you want to not go into this irreligious spirituality, then you had these religious legalism who were saying, no, there's one God and you have to do these specific cultural things and you have to pray a certain way and you have to do these cultural rituals. And if you do that, then God will be pleased. But if you don't do that, he won't be pleased with you. And Paul's writing this letter to the church then and I believe the church today, to say, no, Jesus is over everything. Jesus is over just this irreligious spirituality that we have here in America where 80% say that, yes, they're spiritual, but only 20% believe that Jesus Christ is the only way. No, Jesus is over everything. Or, or if you follow these cultural rules, then, then, then that'll make God happy with you. And Paul's going to tell us, no, Jesus is over everything. And we saw this last week as we looked at the first eight verses. And it said Jesus is over faith. Jesus is over love and what that means. And today we're going to look at just six verses. In chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. It's on page 4. If you want to turn there, you'll see it there on the left. But as you turn there, I want to ask this question. What do you need to do this week to grow spiritually? Like if we're going to make a checklist this morning, 
What do you need to grow spiritually? Like if you want to walk in a manner that's worthy of Christ, what do you need to do? If you want to be fruitful in the work of your hands, that it would bear fruit, what do you need to do? If you're here and you're like, I want to grow in patience, I want to grow in endurance, I want to be a more joyful and grateful person, what do you need to do? What, what would you jot down? What, what to-do list would you make this week? Like, well, I, I need to be here at church. I need to, maybe I'm going to put some money in the offering plate and I'm going to go to community group and I'm going to pray every day and I'm going to read the Bible. And, and we could make a checklist, couldn't we? What do you need to do to grow spiritually? But what if that's the wrong question? What if it's not the to-do list that we need to put together? But what if the real question that we're going to see is, who do I need to be to grow spiritually? See, there's something that Jesus is going to do to us that helps us grow spiritually. And there's two, two sides to this, that, that, that we can fall in the trap that your behaviors cause you to grow spiritually. Or we're going to see that Christ and who he is and what he does in our life, who he causes us to be and not our behaviors, is what causes us and allows us to be able to grow spiritually. This is what I hope we see this morning. So I want to invite you to stand with me. As we pray, read these six verses together and then walk through them. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to see that the beauty of the truth in your words. Lord, that in a culture where everyone speaks and is shouting to listen to them, listen to them, Lord, we need to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd speaking what is true to help us navigate life and culture in a way that glorifies you above everything else. And so, Lord, open our hearts, open our minds to see the beauty of the gospel in the face of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So look with me, Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 9. For this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We're asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. In Him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is God's Word. You may be seated. So let's jump in. I hope like 
If you see mine, I have it marked up. I would encourage you, have a pen, write, take notes through this, because we're going to see right here in verse 9, for this reason. For what reason? For this reason, Paul's going to say, I'm praying for you. But what's the reason? We saw this last week in verse 4. Like, we've heard, Paul's like, I've heard of your faith in Jesus Christ. I've heard of your love for for the other saints in the body. This is a fruit of the gospel. It's fruit that's, that's bearing fruit around the world as it is among you. And it's like, for this reason, he's like, I'm praying for you. He preached the gospel and it transformed lives. And now Paul is praying for Christians that he's never met. Specifically, he's praying that they would grow spiritually. So I want you to put a marker here because we're going to come back to this at the end. Who are you praying for that they would grow spiritually? It's a simple question. We're going to come back to this. But I wonder if we've ever considered this. We pray for ourselves a lot. But are we praying for people we've never met or don't even know that well that they would grow spiritually? But before we can even ask who are we praying for, it's kind of the question of how do people grow spiritually? How does this growth happen? How should I be praying for them? And I want us to see the example that the Apostle Paul lays out for us as a model for us to follow, but also to give us understanding of what growth even looks like. So look at verse 9, when it says, for this reason, since the day we've heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. And here's the prayer. We are asking that you may be filled, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding to those who are empty need filling, right? John Calvin says, faith brings a man empty to God, that he may be filled with the blessings of God. Think of this. Faith brings a man empty to God, that he may be filled with the blessings of God. Faith is not us bringing something to Jesus. It's not us saying, hey, Jesus, look what I bring you. Are you pleased with me now, like the, the cat who brings in a dead bird to its owner's? Like, aren't you pleased with this? Aren't you happy with me? No, faith brings us empty to a holy God, asking to be filled. And this is what Paul is praying, asking God to fill these people, asking him to to fill them and to fill them with with knowledge of his will in all wisdom, To, to fill them with spiritual knowledge. The Colossians were in a culture where everybody claimed special knowledge. Like, oh, I have the truth. Listen to me. Follow me. And I'll tell you what's really true. Oh, no, no, no. Listen to me. Listen to me. And Paul isn't here praying, Lord, help them to ignore all those people and listen to me. Paul is like, Lord, help them to hear your voice. To know your will in all wisdom. Lord, to have a spiritual understanding, not an academic understanding, not a human understanding, but a spiritual understanding. Lord, they need to hear from you in a confusing culture 
where everybody has an opinion. Lord, they need to hear your voice. They need to hear from you. Fill these people with your knowledge, your wisdom, your understanding. Lord, they need Jesus. But here's the question. This sense of being filled. Something that, that's happening to us. It's not something we do. It's something Paul was praying for Jesus to do to these believers. But the, the question is, when we come to God, do we come with empty hands looking to be filled? Or are we coming with all of our stuff? All of our fears, all of our shame, all of our good works. Lord, look what I'm bringing. Look at all these things. Aren't you happy with me now? A.W. Tozer writes this. People will pray and ask God to, to, to be filled. Lord, fill me. But all the while, there is that strange lack of genuineness. That contradiction within which prevents our wills from stirring to the point of letting God have his way. It's like a child coming to a parent, like dying of thirst, dehydrated, look, like Mom, Dad, can I have a cup of water or, or juice? But all the while, that child is holding on to all their toys, all their stuffed animals, all their things. And the parent's giving them a, 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 something to drink. But their hands are so full. I think we come to God like that at times. We're like, Lord, fill me. But we won't recognize that we're actually empty. Like, Lord, I have nothing to bring. I have nothing in my hands. I need to be filled with your wisdom, with your knowledge. I can't do this on my own. Look at what it says. That you may be filled with all knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And then in verse 10, so that. So that. See, what is going to come next comes after being filled. This is a, a byproduct. It's what comes. That being precedes our behavior. So often we think we come to God with our good behavior and then he transforms us. But what I want us to see here is that we're coming empty before God to be filled and he is the one who then produces in us that transformation in spiritual growth. Look at what it says. Being filled so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. This is what being filled produces. Like, yes, I want to walk in a manner worthy, worthy of the Lord. Like, if you feel that, to say that Christ is worthy because he was slaughtered, his blood was poured out to purchase men for for God, from every tongue, tribe, and nation. He is worthy to receive our worship in our lives. He is worthy, and I want my life to reflect that. If my life were a candle, I want it to, to burn with a sweet fragrance to His glory. 
This is what I desire. How? Lord, fill me with the knowledge of your will. What do you desire? Do you desire these things? To walk worthy of the Lord. To, for your life to be pleasing to him. That, that you would bear fruit in, in every good work. That you would grow in the knowledge of God. This is a result of coming to God empty. And asking that he would fill us with himself. And we pray to be filled with what only God can give. The knowledge of his will, of spiritual understanding. But it continues. Look at, at what it says then in verse 11. Being strengthened. Again, it, it, it's, it's this verb, to, to be, that, that is standing out to me. To be filled, being strengthened. It's again something that, that Paul is praying for them to receive. And they're being strengthened with what? With all power. Okay, power from where? From his glorious might. This is what it's praying for. Why does, why does Paul need to pray for the, the church in Colossae to receive strength? Because they feel weak. I'm tired, God. I'm tired. I'm tired of the pain. I'm tired that, that life feels like this uphill battle. And the pressures of life just seem to be pressing out every ounce of strength I have. I feel weak. If that's where you're at this morning, this prayer is for you. See, this prayer isn't for the one who, who feels great, who feels strong. Lord, look at all these good things that I'm bringing you. This prayer isn't for you. This prayer is for the person who's coming to God with hands empty, with hearts weak and tired. This is what, who Paul is praying for. Because they're the ones who need to be filled. It's the weak who need to receive strength. To be strengthened. And not from within. Not like, Lord, just restore their energy. Give them a good night's sleep so tomorrow they feel refreshed and ready to take on the day. That's not what he's praying. He's praying for a supernatural strength. A strength according to his glorious might. A supernatural strength that, that God used when he spoke light into the darkness. When he formed and filled the earth. A power that protected Noah's family in the flood, a, a power that parted the Red Sea, a power that brought down the, the walls of Jericho, a, a power that, that sustained a nation from rebellion and brokenness, a power that caused a, a virgin woman to give birth to a son, a power that caused Jesus Christ to rise from the dead. That kind of power, of His glorious might, Lord, strengthen them with that. See, I don't need my own strength. I need God's strength. Be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might. And there it is again. So that. So that. 
See, this is producing something in us. Again, being precedes behavior. Your behaviors do not cause the transformation. The person and work of Jesus Christ transforms us, and this leads us then into a changed life. And look at what that changed life is. That you might have great endurance. Great endurance. Why do you need that? Like, is anybody here like, I need endurance? Right? Because I believe the Colossian church was tired. They felt weak. In the midst of all the cultural pressures, life bears down and our strength gives way. Endurance is needed because our strength isn't sufficient. Because tiredness sets in. Because our strength runs low and the race seems long. And what lays ahead seems more than what my strength today can handle. And so Paul prays and he's like, Lord, give them the strength according to your glorious might that they may have a great endurance beyond their own strength, beyond their own capability for what lays ahead. Lord, that they may have patience. Why? Because when we grow tired and weary, I get extremely impatient. Lord, it's, it's taking too long. This is too hard. Change isn't happening at the pace I thought it was going to happen. God isn't moving according to my timeline. I knew how this was supposed to work out, and you're not following my plan, God. But there's a truth here. Lord, give them patience. Let your glorious might give them patience because they're not in control, but God, you are. And what happens is our perspective of our present circumstances comes under the true reality that everything that happens is under the sovereign control of God. And so I can be patient because I'm going to trust him in his glorious might. And his glorious might produces in us patience so that we can endure as we wait in hope for God to finish what he has begun. And it leads to a joyful thanksgiving. A joyful thanksgiving instead of bitterness because when I get impatient, when I feel weak, then I start to get embittered. Why is all this happening? I can't believe all this is happening. But instead, when my focus and I am being filled with his strength according to his glorious might and not my own, then I am able to be joyful and thankful. He replaces my hopelessness with hope. He replaces my bitterness with joy. And a great endurance, and a great patience, and a great joy. This is what God produces in us because God is over our spiritual growth. I want us to see this because too often I think if we say, is Jesus over spiritual growth? It's like, okay, what do you mean by that? But yeah, sure, that sounds good. But in reality, I think what we often fall into the trap of is we think our behaviors cause our spiritual growth. If I do the right things, then God will cause me to grow. Then I'll be more patient. Then I'll endure. 
And we could make that to-do list of things that you need to do this week. If you do these things, then you'll be more spiritual by next Sunday. But let me flip that. What if I say, as this passage says, that Jesus is over your spiritual growth? So what do you need to do this morning? What does faith cause us to do this morning? It causes us to come to God with empty hands. It causes us to come to God in our weakness. Like, can you do that? Can we acknowledge that, God, my strength is not sufficient for the difficulties that this life presents me with? I feel overwhelmed. I feel tired. I feel exhausted. I feel empty. Lord, I feel weak. I'm confused. I don't know the right way. I hear all of these things in the culture. When we come to God in our emptiness, in weakness, and we're like, and then we look to Jesus And it's like, will you be who who you claim to be? Will you be the sufficient one, the glorious one? Will you fill me where I am empty? Will you strengthen me? Not with my own strength, because even if you max that out, it's not sufficient. But would would you give me your glorious might? Because only then will I be able to endure. Only then will I be thankful. And so we come to him, recognizing that Jesus is over our spiritual growth. And as we come to him in our emptiness, in our weakness, he is sufficient. And we will be transformed in his presence. So let me end with these two questions. First, what is preventing you this morning from coming to God in your emptiness and weakness. Like, it sounds easy, doesn't it? Like, oh yeah, sure. Come to God in my emptiness. Let him be sufficient. Here it is, God. But what are you holding on to? Like the child coming to the parent, we're holding on to things. I think there were things that many of us, though it sounds simple, are holding on to. I think for some, it's pride. That it, it can be extremely difficult to lay down our pride in how we want to see ourselves as self-sufficient. Because we see self-sufficiency next to godliness. Other people may need help, and I can help them, but I don't need help. And our pride, though we want to cry out, causes us to hold back and say, I'll trust God a little bit with where I fall short, but I can't trust him with everything. Because there's, I can do this. Some, it's control. We want to hold on to control. And, and, And we fear to trust God completely. Like, oh, I can trust him a little bit, but like, I have this under control, God. I'm just like this is just a little overwhelming. If you could just give me a little like booster shot, that would be appreciative. But if I lay everything down before him, can I trust him with it? Like, can I trust him with my life? Can I trust him with my heart? Can I lay down all control? 
For some, it's comfort. Because the reality is you feel that emptiness and weakness deep in. But, but what you've learned to do is cover it up with certain comforts that, though harmful, you kind of like. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's, it's alcohol. Maybe it's things that, 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 that you do to kind of comfort that, that weakness and that emptiness. But, but you really don't want to let go of it. And you know that if you lay it all down, God might end up taking some of those comforts and you don't know if he's enough to replace those comforts, if he'll be enough of a rest and enough of a comfort for these things that you're actually trusting in. Some, it's approval. You're holding on to approval. What are others going to think? What if I actually admit that I don't have the power in myself, I don't have the strength, that I am more needy than I present to others? What will they think of me? Will they respect me? Will they not respect me? I can't do that. Because what other people think is more important to me than the reality of my heart before God. I want my life to declare the worth of Jesus Christ. I want the labor of my hands to bear fruit. I want to endure. I want to be patient. The way that happens is by God filling us because we realize we're empty. By God strengthening us with his strength and not my own. This is how we grow. Some would probably prefer the checklist right about now. <laughs> right? Like, those are probably the ones who are holding on to control. If you're like me, like, give me the checklist, please. But what he's calling for is our hearts before him. So let me come back to the question I asked at the beginning where I asked you to put that mental marker. Who are you praying for? To grow spiritually. Like, this is the context of the passage, right? The Apostle Paul is praying for these believers that he's never met for them to grow spiritually. And this is how he's praying. This isn't just about us. Though it needs to begin in our life to understand how we grow, the, the output of this is who are you praying for that they may grow spiritually. And so here's what I want you to do. going to make it uncomfortable for a moment, but I want you to look around the room and I'm going to ask you to pick two or three people that you're going to pray for for the next 10 weeks through the rest of this series that I want you to pray this passage over them. To look around, and here's the thing, if you don't know them, it doesn't matter. Just be like, okay, the, 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 the guy over there in the purple shirt, like the, the, the lady in the black dress, like whatever, you don't need a name, God knows who it is. But I want you to pick two or three people that you're going to pray for. And to pray that, that they would be growing spiritually. So how do we do this? I want to model this for you as I pray for you. In, in praying the scripture. This is a recording in these six verses of Paul's prayer for the believers in Colossae. For me, I love praying scripture. Because I don't, I don't know about you, but there's times when I pray and I start like hedging all my bets. Like, Lord, I, I'm praying for this, but if that's not your will, then you could do this. And if that's not your will, maybe you could do that. And, but I really want this to happen. Like, have you ever prayed like that? Like, I don't think that's wrong. 
Prayer is about communicating with God, our hearts, our confusion. And so I don't want to in any way make that seem like, oh, only pray if you're certain because then we really wouldn't pray. Like we're bringing that before God. But there is a particular confidence I have when I pray Scripture. Like there's a boldness and fervor with which I can pray because I know it's true. Because I know this is God's will. Because I know it's His words. And I can pray this over people in complete confidence that it is God's will. And that's what I want us to see in these. And so I want to encourage us. I, I want to close in prayer by praying for you. But I'm also doing this to model for you how I want to encourage you to pray for those two or three people. And if you haven't written that down yet, I really want you to write down to make a mental note of who you're going to be praying for. I think it's important that we're practicing what we're reading, that we understand and we practice. So let me pray. Lord, I thank you for cross point. I pray that that those sitting here this morning, those watching online, Lord, that they would be filled this morning, Lord, with with the knowledge of your will, with your wisdom, Lord, with with your spiritual understanding. Lord, help them help us to feel our emptiness, the, the need for you to fill us with your truth, with your word. Lord, would you let that truth transform us so so that they may be able to walk worthy of your name. Lord, you were slain and by your blood you have purchased people for God. Lord, let their lives declare that you are worthy. Let their lives be a sweet fragrance that is pleasing to you. Lord, let the labor of their hands bear fruit, demonstrating, Lord, the transformation that they have experienced. Lord, help them to continue to grow in the knowledge of you, that even receiving that knowledge is a gift from you. And as we learn, we continue to learn and continue to grow in the knowledge of who you are. And so, Lord, open their ears to hear, their eyes to see the beauty of your wisdom and understanding. Lord, strengthen them. Not with their own strength, Lord, but but strengthen them with, with all power according to your glorious might, Lord. Strengthen them. As they feel their weakness, as they, they, they experience the tangible reality of coming to the end of themselves, Lord, let that be a moment of grace and mercy where they look up and see your strength and your might pouring into them. Lord, let this produce, let your power at work in them produce endurance. Lord, when they're tired and they want to give up and they feel like the race should be over and yet there's more that lies ahead, Lord, give them a great, great endurance. Give them patience when the the road seems long and and they want to give up and they, they grow impatient and weary, Lord. Strengthen. 
Lord, give them joy in the journey. However difficult, in all the brokenness, in all the weariness, Lord, let your mighty power give joy. Because, Lord, we give you the praise that you are worthy. Lord, you have rescued us from darkness. You have transferred us to the kingdom of God. It's in Christ that we are redeemed and we are forgiven. And so, Lord, would you fill and would you strengthen for the glory of your name. And in Jesus' name we pray all of this. Amen.